that he hath done. For he hath he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children. Again, let me read that again. Which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children that the generation to come might know them, even the generation which should be born, uh, who should arise and declare them to their children, a passing along of this truth. That, for the purpose of, there's three goals here, and we'll look at these today, three goals, that they might set their hope in God. Children, we want you to set your hope in God. Uh, parents, uh, moms, dads, we, want, we have the goal that our children will set their hope in God. And then secondly, not forget the works of God. Uh, again, uh, Israel was, was miraculously, powerfully, wondrously delivered from Egypt. Uh, and then the Red Sea opened up and then across the way. And it wasn't long after that where they were, well, what has God ever done for us? <laughs> what? You just watched him dismantle Egypt and drown their army. What do you mean? What is he ever? We're so forgetful. We're selfish. We're selfish. We're selfish. Shh. You know, what has God done for me today? I'm unimpressed with him. If he would be more impressive, I would honor him with my life. Ah, you have it backwards. He's impressive whether you recognize it or not. As soon as we realize how impressive he is, we say, I need to honor him. Boy, life will begin to make sense. So one, set, we want our children to set their hope in God. Two, we don't want them to forget the works of God. And three, we want them to keep his commandments. Just obey. What does God want? Then that's what I'm going to do. And then this will be for next week, verse 8 and following. And might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that set not their heart aright. And uh, this will be for two weeks from now. Set not their heart aright, and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forget his works, his wonders that he had showed them. He was careful to show himself to them, and they were not careful to remember what they saw. So part two tonight, uh, fathers who further the faith. Uh, we already looked at verses one through three, blessings from the past. Um, God had given his law. And a lot of times we don't like the law, but the truth is uh, the law is the rules of how this game of life is played. It's wonderful to know what the rules are. You can't win if you don't know what the rules are. <laughs> the only way to win or to have victory in this life is to know what the rules are and then to keep them. So you say, what blessing? God gave his law? That's no blessing. Oh, it's the blessing of knowing what the rules are and then keeping them on our way to victory. Remember, we want to enjoy a crown and you're not going to be crowned except you strive lawfully. How are you going to strive lawfully unless you know what the rules are and you're striving to follow them. And then verse 4, we saw the bounty of providence. Um, God had been so good in the past. Uh, his wonderful works that he hath done. He's good all the time. We are so blessed. Um, 
I, I, I've noticed, have you noticed there are people that God just never blesses? Have you noticed that? He just never blesses some people. God just go around, he goes around blessing everyone but certain people. Have you noticed that? Zero blessings for certain people. At least if you listen to them, that's the way it is. The truth is God blesses everybody. But there are some who refuse to recognize it. They grumble. You ever hear them? They, they come up to you and they're like, hey, so-and-so was blessed. And I, and I don't like it. Doesn't seem fair. Doesn't seem right. And instead of being grateful for the many blessings of their life, they're always put out that someone else is being blessed. It's no way to live where you say, I, I believe God is good, just not to me. It's no way to live. He's good to every single one of us. And when you can say, oh, Lord God, you're so good to me. Uh, that's the bounty of providence. Lord, after, after all you've done for me, how could I do less than give you my best and live for you completely after all you've done for me? So tonight, we'll look at the next thing, the beauty in their prospects, the beauty in their prospects, verses five through seven, that they might set their hope in God, set their hope in God. Now, we have a finish line for the 5K, and, uh, and, and so setting our hope is like, I, I'm going to keep going because at the end, there's a finish line. Uh, I can be done, and I'm going to set my hope on that thing. If I just keep going, I can get there. And we want our children not to ha have a gaze that's locked on, on just the here and now, but a gaze that's looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, that their hope can be set on God. Uh, uh, and we want to look at the beauty of their prospects. And then next week, it talked about the, the, the fathers and then the children that were not prepared. They went into battle with all the equipping and had no heart for it. Backsliding in their posterity, they turned back in the day of battle. So for today, verses 5 through 7, the beauty in their prospects, the goal that they might set their hope in God. Verses 5 through 7, for he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed the law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. So that first phrase, uh, he, he established a testimony in Jacob. God had a, a, a special purpose for Israel, and he set them apart to the purpose he had for them, to maintain his truth in the midst of idolatrous nations. It was an important task. I want you to, to maintain and preserve my truth uh, uh, and, and again, uh, this was an important task, and they were set apart to do it. And God has given that same task to his churches today, 
to be caretakers of his precious truths. And we churches also have been set aside from this world for that purpose, to be caretakers. We have a testimony in the Lord Jesus. Look what Christ, just like Israel, was to be set aside so that the world could say, look what God has done. A church should be set aside to say, look what Christ can do. If you'll live a life set apart to God, we live out the truth, and we, we're the caretaker of that truth. First Timothy three fifteen. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. The next phrase, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. God wants little ones to know his word. And God has given dads the job. Parents, especially dads. We have to know the word and be sure our kids are getting it. Trust me, I'm really glad that Dr. Schreiber has my boy in his Bible class. And he's going through the book of Proverbs and teaching manliness out of God's word. Uh, And I'm glad he's in there. And he's an extension of me in doing that. But it's my job. He's helping me do my job to make sure my son knows the word of God. Deuteronomy 4 verses 9 through 10. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget the things which, I, which thine eyes have seen, lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons, looking even to my own children and to my children's children, especially the day that thou stoodst before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Uh, we, we, we tend to remember the things that are important to us, don't we? Parents, how, how often have we heard, <laughs> I forgot. It's like, so it was, it was important to dad, and it doesn't seem like it was important to you, and so you forgot. It's like, well, I don't know about all that. That's the, it was, if the things that are important to you, you don't forget. And so, parents, obviously, we can't let that be the eternal cop out, right? I, I, I forgot. Well, uh, I have a paddle. And it's wonderful when you use it according to the Bible. Children learn. It's like, oh, those things that used to be important to mom and dad are becoming more important to me as well. And then they become less forgetful. Only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently lest thou forget. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 7, and these words, which I command thee, this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently 
unto thy children. Hey, dads, I look at that verse and I'm like, Lord, I, I need to do better about that. Listen to what it said again. Dads, listen to what this says. And that thou should teach them diligently unto thy children. Dads, can you all say, I've been teaching them diligently. I have. Me. To my children. I looked at that today and I'm like, Lord, I need to do better about these things. Help me. Help me. And that thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, when thou risest up. Dads, are you teaching them diligently as described in these ways? I'm, I'm glad for a school, and it's a fantastic help to parents, but it's a help to parents. Um, I... We, we read this this morning. I, I thought I'd share it with you. It's, uh, it's from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. And, uh, and again, I, I, and can I just say, we have some good parents in this, in this church. And I will listen to you talk about things you do with your kids. And I'll be like, oh, that's a good idea. So don't, don't think that the way I do things is the only way of think. Listen, you, you, mom and dad, you diligently, and I praise God for the fellow examples I have in this place. I praise God for godly peer pressure. Proper, positive peer pressure. Parents that, listen, I want good things for my kids, and sometimes, sometimes maybe I'm, I'm distracted or whatever, and here's a dad or a mom that's burdened for their children, and that burden rubs off on your pastor. Thank you for that. Let's continue as a church to have a burden for our children and, and a burden for one another. Be praying for one another and, and, be, and be spreading throughout this church that positive peer pressure of I want to do right, I want to see right, I want to see good things in your home. I've been praying for you. I've been praying for your children. Oh, well, tell me if you're seeing anything. I want that godly peer pressure from you. We read this this morning, uh, in a way that only Spurgeon can put it, right? From Psalm 119, verse 15, I will meditate in thy precepts. There are times when solitude is, is better than society and silence is wiser than speech. We should be better Christians if we were more alone, waiting upon God, gathering through meditation on his word, through spiritual strength, to gain labor for our service. We ought to muse upon the things of God because we thus get the real nutrition out of them. Truth is like a cluster of the vine. You see cluster of grapes. If we would have the grape juice from it, we must bruise the grapes and press them and, and squeeze them many times. The bruiser's feet must come down joyfully upon the bunches or else the juice will not flow. They must well tread those grapes or else much of the precious liquid will be wasted. So we, by meditation, tread the clusters of truth. 
We must not just take the clusters we are given from God's word or even in the church. We must not just take them and behold them and say, oh, look, aren't they pretty? But bruise and press and squeeze and get the juice out of them. If we would take the juice of consolation therefrom, our bodies are not supported by merely taking food into our mouths. Think about how fun it is when you take that bite of something you enjoy. Mm. <laughs> Wonderful. But that bite of food, while it's delightful, does you no good until it goes past the mouth and through the process of digestion. Then it becomes a help to your body. Yes, it can enter your mouth and be a delight, but it does nothing for you but be a delight. Oh, my friends, sometimes do we delightfully take things into our ears, but then they stop there without going on. They delight us, but they don't, through meditation, go on to become spiritually digested and processed into our being. Our bodies are not supported by merely taking food into the mouth, but the process by which supplies the muscles and nerve and sinew and bone is the process of digestion. It is by digestion that the outward food becomes assimilated with the inner life. Our souls are not nourished merely by listening a while to this and then to that. We become guilty like the Athenians who live to hear some new thing to tickle their ears. And then to some other part of divine truth. But hearing, reading, marking, and learning all require inwardly digesting to complete their usefulness. And the inward digestion of the truth lies for the most part in meditating upon it. Why is it that some Christians, although they hear many sermons, make slow advances in the divine life? Because they neglect their closets and do not thoughtfully meditate on God's word. They love the wheat, but will not grind it. They will have the corn but they will not go forth to the field to gather. The fruit hangs on the tree, but they will not pluck it. The water flows at their feet, but they will not stoop to drink. From such folly, O oh God, deliver us. And be this our resolve. Each and every morning I will meditate in thy precepts. What a wonderful and powerful and beautiful thought as a sermon for someone to share. But you know what is even better? is when as a family you come together and you chew on those things together at the family altar. When there's a delight in the eyes of dad and there's a delight in the eyes of mom and, and we say, oh Lord, please meet with us as a family. Come down. We don't want to sit here just us. We want you to be a part of these things and there's a warmth and a fire and a family altar. Yes, these things are wonderfully preached. But when God's word is preached in the home, when dad takes those things, there's something special. That this, while it is important, yes, God chooses through the foolishness of preaching to do wonderful things, but there's something missing if the child isn't hearing those things at home. Deuteronomy eleven nineteen, And ye shall teach them your children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I cannot make my children love God. I cannot make my children 
love God. But there's some things I can do. I can make three things real evident in my home. Oh, that our children could say these three things. My dad, I mean, (laughs) he really loves God. There's no doubt about it. He is sold out to God. Secondly, I I think it brings a lot of stability to the home when the child says, uh, boy, my dad, he's crazy about our mom. He's crazy about our mom. He loves her so much. And three, mom and dad love us so much. But we constantly hear how no matter how much they love us, they don't come close to loving us as much as God does. How much he loves us. He's wonderful. Oh, parent, to, 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 to work, to make sure we do all that we can to have the hearts of our children. Uh, so the other day, Claire took me running. We were preparing for the 5K. And I thought, oh good, as we run, we can talk. But I'll have to have all the conversing done in the first 30 seconds and I'll be using my breath for the rest of the time just to keep running. But uh, I'm saying, now Claire, listen, it's important for you to trust God and trust your mom and dad. I know, no, 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 no. Don't just I know. There will come a time when it seems like, ah, oh, I just, they're standing between me and this thing and it just makes so much sense. You know, I'll tell them, Fritzenheimer, that's my name for, you know, the guy that's going to come along someday and show her some attention. <laughs> Fritzenheimer is going to come along and give you a little bit of attention someday. And then your heart is going to be like, oh, forget my dad, forget my mom. And I'm like, listen, you need to, uh, because what if mom and dad say there's something not right about this? And in that moment, you decide, well, I know better. I said, listen, day by day, you have to protect yourself from that by saying, oh, God, help me to learn to trust my dad. Help me to learn to trust my mom. Help me, the Lord, I can't, because remember, Peter, remember, he said, oh, Lord, he said, listen, Satan hath desire, oh, well, I'll be fine. No, 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 the, 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 the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Spend that time in prayer because you're not ready for what's coming. Spend that time in prayer. I'm ready for what's coming. And he slept instead of praying, and he failed the Lord that night. Claire. Will you take it seriously? Don't just let me tell you. Get on your knees because there will come a time where it just seems like it makes sense, but dad seems to see something else. Lord, I just need to trust you and trust my dad. Now, I have a fantastic wife. And we dated for a while and it was wonderful. We were getting closer and closer and closer. And, and she, she just, she's like, listen, I like you a lot. And I'm really looking forward to marrying you if, if the Lord brings that all together. But listen, uh, and it was clear. And it wasn't like something she explained to me all the time. But I knew. 
If her dad came to her and said, something doesn't seem right, I want you to back away. She was going to. It was clear. You see, she had a guy in her life to be loyal to. And she was going to be loyal to him. And until she's given away in marriage, you know who that is? It's dad. And she says, I'm going to be loyal to the guy that God has given me to be loyal to. And that day when right down there, the question was asked, who giveth this woman? And her dad said, I do. I inherited a loyalty worth having. And praise God for it. Trust. Trust. Young people, it's not your mom and dad's job to, it's like, well, we'll see if they can earn. No, no, you get on your knees and say, Lord, help me. Help me to trust you and to trust your wisdom when you gave me the parents you gave me and not decided you didn't know what you were doing. Help me to trust. And when my heart screams and horror, I can say, quiet down. That the generation to come might know them. Even the, chil- even the children which should be born. God wants us to teach our children with the intent that they will learn it and pass it along to their children in perpetuity. The narratives, commands, and doctrines are not to be worn out. They are to be divinely calculated. They, they were divinely calculated by God above to exert an influence as long as our race, humanity, shall exist. We should, who should arise, the Bible says, and declare them to their children. No generation gap. The father is to teach the son. The son is to teach the grandson. The grandson is to teach the great-grandson. Truth is to be handed on diligently from generation to generation. My children are to be learners, but I want Alec to become a teacher some way, some, some, some day, to teach his children. Our children to become teachers, to pass along what they've received. That. So we come to these three goals. Let's look at these three goal, goals real quickly. That. Number one, that they might set their hope in God. For our young people to say, I want to stand before God someday and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I want to start right now aiming at that moment. That's what it means to have their hope set in God. Hope, the word behind this also has the idea of confidence and trust, faith is linked to hope, isn't it? Doesn't Hebrews 11 tell us faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith, uh, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood before Nebuchadnezzar there in Daniel chapter 3, their hope had been set on God and that readied them for that moment. Daniel 3, 15 through 18. Now, if ye be ready that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. 
But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is, you see Nebuchadnezzar, and who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? And you're like, uh, oh, the, the, the very same God in Daniel chapter 2 that, that you were so impressed with when he, he interpreted your, your dreams? That, that one. Remember the God uh, you, you, you said uh, in verse, chapter 2, verse 47, when, when you said, uh, the king said unto Daniel, uh, of a truth, it is that, that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of lords and a revealer of secrets. Uh, that God, it's, it's almost like Nebuchadnezzar was really forgetful. Oh, <laughs> we've heard something about that, huh? When we're forgetful and we turn our back on what God wants. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, and again, I like that, our God. Now, Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, he was talking about the God of Daniel. But these guys, they, and they, they didn't say the God of our fathers. They said, our God. Our God. Our God whom we serve. By the way, that, that helps you to be ready, huh? When you're busy doing right. That helps you to be ready for these moments. Whom we serve, even here where mommy and daddy aren't making us. At some point our hope was set on God. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, and he's talking about if he chooses not to deliver us from the furnace, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. How is that for hope set in God? Parents, that's our goal. Now God chose not to deliver them from the furnace, but to deliver them in the furnace. Someday in heaven we'll get to talk to those guys, won't we? Won't that be fun? Hey, it was probably pretty awful, right? Uh, uh, do you wish you'd never got thrown into the burning, fiery furnace? <laughs> Are you kidding? That was the highlight of our lives. To walk in the midst of the flame and have the ropes burnt off of us and to be there with the very Son of God. And parents, are you going to love your kids enough to train them to have victories like that in their lives. Well, be serious about this goal of having their hearts set on God. They won't see those victories without their hopes set on God. Number two, and forget not the works of God. We talked about this some already, about how the, the Hebrews watched God humiliate Egypt and, and then drown their army. And then so quickly in the wilderness, acting like God was nothing. And we are so similar. Boy, God has done so much for us. And, and so many of us will say, uh, I, don't, I don't think he's done all that much for me. Instead of telling God, Lord, you, 
I'm so grateful for all you've done for me. Instead, it's if you did more for me, I would be more grateful. Boy, uh, if we could just learn to, oh God, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. And we thank him for the blessings. And we find that the blessings keep rolling in. And we don't want our kids to be forgetful. And, and they'll automatically, again, it's, it's, just, it's just a matter. We remember the things that are important to us. And we forget the things that aren't. Parent, how important is the Bible to you in keeping these things? Is that sense of importance bleeding from your life into the life of your children? Or is there a forgetfulness in your house that's bleeding down to your kids? He who does not keep God's love in memory is not likely to remember his law. Our goal is not a head full of religious speculative notions, but a heart filled with love and holiness toward God. Making those things that are important to God important to me. We've seen it, young people, it frightens us when we say, listen, this is important to God. And we get to look like, and... And, listen, if it's important to him, it needs to be important to you. Parents, look with the eyes of a child at those Bible stories. That same God of wonders is alive and well today and wants to continue being wonderful. Parents, it's good that you have your kids here in order to hear all of these wonderful things, but there's nothing like seeing dad's eyes light up at how good God is. There's nothing like seeing mom's eyes lit up and see how good God is. Again, I've told this story before when when my dad was away for a couple weeks uh, working for GE, and he came back, and and I I came up the stairs, and, hey, mom, where's dad? And and, and she said, uh, I think he's on the back porch, and and me running over to throw open, I was going to grab the door, and I look out and see my dad out there with his Bible, with God. I've heard thousands and thousands and thousands of sermons, but can I just tell you, How many sermons that preached to me? Dads, how often are your kids finding you on your knees? Finding you in the Bible? Moms, finding you in prayer for them? Oh, that's so much more effective than a thousand sermons. The third goal. But keep his commandments, teaching them to obey. What do you want to do with your life? grow up and be a fireman? There's nothing wrong with being a fireman. But hey, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, I'm whatever he tells me to do. I'm not missing that. I'm not missing that. Parents, You want to teach your kids to obey. What is your heart toward rules? Do they hear you gripe about rules? Rolling your eyes? 
We want to teach them to obey. Having that right spirit. Uh, again, even around here in the Christian school and in our church, the Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. And that's a command we try to, and so for things to be done decently and in order, we'll say, okay, let's have some policies. And, and do you find that as a family, you roll your eyes at the policies? And then you say, I, I don't know why my, my kids seem to second guess the things I try to teach them. They don't want to obey me. They're, they're second guessing everything that I try to teach them when your kids are following the example they've seen sometimes. To teach them to keep his commandments. Fathers who further the faith. Lord, I do pray that you be with these uh, these thoughts, I, I pray, Lord, that you to work in our hearts, Lord. And I, Lord, I, I'm, I'm confessing to you right now, I need to do a better job in these areas. Lord, I want to be a better dad. Lord, help our parents, Lord. And then we have a church. Even, even the Bible talks about our sons and our grandsons. And, and then, Lord, we, we want to pray for one another and help one another. And, and uh, uh, Lord, uh, to be praying for our young people, praying for our, our, our parents of young kids, praying for our parents of older kids, praying for those young kids, praying for those older kids. Oh, God, help us to be a church that prays for one another and seeks you. And, oh, God, do it work. Descend on this place. May we have be a place that loves you and humility says oh God I need to do better in these areas I need your help forgive me for being lax in some of these areas and help me oh God I can't change yesterday but I can change today help us as a church Lord to be on fire for you and help our young people to have their hope set on God to be obedient, Lord, and forget not your wondrous works, the wonderful things you've done. Help us as a church. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.